So the reading today is from Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 to 33. Joshua 24, verse 14. Therefore fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today, which will you worship? The gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. The people replied, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our ancestors out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us all along the way we went, and among all the peoples whose lands we travelled through. The Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord, because he is our God. But Joshua told the people, you will not be able to worship the Lord because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you and completely destroy you after he has been good to you. No, the people answered Joshua, we will worship the Lord. Joshua then told the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you yourselves have chosen to worship the Lord. We are witnesses, they said. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the God, to, to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people at Shechem and established a statute and ordinance for them. Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. He also took a large stone and set it up there under the yoke at the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, You see this stone? It will be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words the Lord said to us, and it will be a witness against you, so that you will not deny your God. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. After these things, the Lord's servant, Joshua son of Nun, died at the age of 110. They buried him in his allotted ter territory at Timnath Serah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Israel worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua and who had experienced all the works the Lord had done for Israel. Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the parcel of land Jacob had purchased from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of silver. It was an inheritance for Joseph's descendants. And Eleazar, son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Jebeah, which had been given to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. Thanks, ma'am. Good morning, all. Um, it's wonderful to be able to meet together um, for those of us in the room, but I also want to welcome those online. And um, um, yeah, we, we, as Murray said before, we kind of officially kick off our year. Um, and of course, um, the, the four-week series, which we've called Last Words, also kicks in. 
Um, let's pray and then I'll explain what we're going to do. Father, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have to be able to meet. We have been reminded in the last 12 months or so that this is something for us not to take for granted. And yet it is such a joy to be able to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ and also for those of us who are checking out the gospel. Father, we pray as we kick off a year in this way, we pray that you might work deeply in our hearts and our minds. And Father, we pray as we come to this challenging part of your word that you would uh, work in every single one of us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, four weeks, as someone said earlier, um, after this week, Nicole and I had three Sundays left. Uh, today, what I'm doing are, are two things which actually work really well together. So one, <clears throat> I am and I have worked hard and I've thought, been thinking for a long time about what other things that are deeply on my heart um, that I want to <clears throat> share with you guys, that I want to say to you guys, that I want to exhort you guys from God's word about. That's one thing. We're starting the first of those today. And... Very much connected with that as the year begins. How do I want to encourage us? Uh, what I've done, I, I've called the series Last Words, and I've picked four um, last chapters of different parts of God's Word because so often in the Bible and also just our current circumstances as a church, when you have those last words with someone, you really emphasise something. And so um, that is what we're going to be doing. I could do with some water, actually, or something. No great rush. Thank you. Now, the way I want to get into the first one, folks, is just reflecting with you on the reality of a Gupta household at this point in time, and that is it is a packing zone. The other day, Nicole, she found a box of tapes Cassette tapes. Now, many of you in this congregation know what they are, but I'm going to have to try to think of a way to explain this to six o'clock a little bit later on. And we've, she found this box of tapes. This is a real picture from, well, this is the box of tapes. And she was going through it and she found all of, this, all of these wonderful things. Who remembers Amy Grant? David Meese. Um, Nicole had a thing for Petra. I phrased that carefully, right? It was Anyway, so we could throw out the box of tapes because it was so easy then to find these on Spotify and make up your own playlist. And as we had a two-hour trip to the beach, that's what we inflicted the kids with. <laughs> it was heaven, at least for me. And I found myself thinking, my mind went to all of these places. Um, one place was, whatever happened to the 1980s? Or more to the point, whatever happened to the music of the 1980s? My mind then went somewhere else and I thought, you know, I should pick music for church. <laughs> and I thought, if we did that, if I had done that to the last 14 years, well, the church would be ready for revival. And then it occurred to me if the 1980s was to return. And I got thinking more about it, and I realised, actually, it's it, it, quite pertinent, really. Because for me to do that, if that's where I ended up with that, what I actually would be doing is serving who? Myself. I wouldn't be serving 
the wider body of Christ in the year 2021. And as I thought more about that, it occurred to me, actually, as I reflect over 14 years, indeed, that has been one of the most significant challenges. Working out and distinguishing my own personal preferences for the sake of the broader body of Christ. Now, folks, with that, I come to Joshua 24. In Joshua 24, Mim was reading from verse 14. Let me just try to provide a little bit of context, which is really helpful. In verse 1, that's coming up on the screen, we're told Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem and summoned Israel's elders, leaders, judges and officers, and they presented themselves before God. Now, does anyone know the significance of Shechem? Shechem is the place where God made his promises to Abraham. He made his promises to Abraham for the future of a promised land, for the future of great blessing. It's one of those places in the Bible where humanity was at a low point and God made big promises. And when Joshua was on the scene, Israel, they were indeed in the promised land. And we're told um, a few chapters earlier on in Joshua, chapter 21, none of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. And we see, folks, God, he is the ultimate promise keeper. They had amazing blessings from God. And yet by the end of Joshua there was danger that was circulating. And so what Joshua does, he gathers the people and he takes them back to that place where those promises were made. Sometimes there's great significance in a place, isn't there? There's great symbolic value to a place. One of the things I thank the people of his church for is um, allowing and then even encouraging me to take up the opportunity to be part of GAFCON 2018, which was in Jerusalem. And the kind of, you know, the image it's become known for is this one I'm putting up on the screen. And there we were. I won't show you where I was, but if you want to look closely, anyway. Where's that picture taken? Anyone? The temple steps. The temple steps where Jesus would have come in and out of the temple on a regular basis where he conducted so much of his teaching. The picture, it's a symbolic thing to say to everyone that the Gathcon movement wants to take the Anglican church back to the grassroots of the gospel. And folks, what Joshua is doing in Joshua 24 is very much like that taking the country and nation of Israel back to the place where these most extraordinary promises of God were made. And when all of the tribes of Israel were gathered, the Lord said, I gave you a land you did not labour for and cities you did not build, though you live in them. You are eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. He wanted to prepare them 
for what he was about to say and what he was about to um, almost rebuke them with and correct them with and try to encourage and exhort them with by grounding everything in the promises of God. He had acted so powerfully. And he builds on that foundation and he says, verse 14, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. It's a gathering at the very place God had made those promises. It's a gathering that is done so that people can have this vivid image and remember all that the Lord has done over the years. And then he says, Fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Now, friends, one of the, this is slightly tangential, but something I wanted to, to share with you. One of my concerns for not just this church but every church today is that in common usage, the term worship is so often used in a very narrow sense. These days, most often when people use the word worship, what do they mean? What are they talking about? Singing. They're talking about a very particular thing that happens in a very particular way at a very particular time. In Joshua 24, worship of God is not restricted in any kind of way. Romans 12 puts it like this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. It is not restricted to particular things. Worshipping God in sincerity and truth, it shouldn't be restricted. And narrowing the usage, it might come from a good place, but the danger over time is it shapes our minds. And we stop thinking of the opportunity and the privilege that we have to worship God as something that involves our entire being all the time. But let me come back from that tangent. Romans 12 goes on and he talks about the other side of the same coin. It's the same coin that Joshua 24 is going to pick up on. It says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. The second line of verse 14 in Joshua 24, it basically says the same thing. And yet it was written a thousand years earlier. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. And folks, as I thought about this first way of both launching the year but also the first in four things that I wanted to really encourage you guys with. It is this danger that I see. And the danger is that people today and Christians today, particularly in the first world, 
we think we can have it all. We try to have it all. Much of this was captured. Some of you have seen the, um, the series, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, called The American Gospel. Who's seen it? It's, it's, it's quite a clever production. And it shows how the American, for so many, how the American dream has become conflated with the gospel in our hearts and in our desires and in our minds. And so much is this the case that whole people and leaders and denominations have arisen that legitimise this. And my concern is, don't get me wrong, yes, it is rampant in America. I've spent some time in America. I totally see that, that conflation happening. But it's also the case in Sydney, Australia. It's also the case deep in our hearts. Later this year, one of the great series you guys are going to be doing uh, is a series on counterfeit gods. It's based on a book by Tim Keller. Some of you have read. I was looking at the list during the week and I thought it's such a good list, I might come back and be part of his series. Or I also thought I might know another church that might do the same series. Anyway... I just thought I'd read some of the ones that really struck me as being pertinent and even challenging. Cultural idols. Radical individualism, as in the West, that makes an idol out of individual happiness at the expense of community. We'll go to the next slide. Deep idols which are talking about motivational drives and temperaments made into absolutes. And there's a couple of examples given. Power idolatry. And you think to yourself, life only has meaning if I have power and influence over others. Approval idolatry. I only have worth if I am loved and respected by... Fill in the blank. Comfort idolatry. Life only has meaning if I have this kind of pleasure experience. And those things deep in our hearts that they then can take our lives in a particular direction where deep down they are the things we're pursuing to have satisfaction from. There's relational idols. In the year 2021, there's sexual idols. And there's other ones. We just can't have it all. There is a particular way I've tried to help us with this over the years. And I thought, this isn't the greatest hits tour. But if you guys um, think to yourself, you know, Raj taught me that I try to do too much and I can't have it all and I have to make choices. And he had this illustration. It's this truck. Well, not this particular one, but you get the idea. Our one's broken. And what happened... I saw each of my children learn this lesson by getting a truck very much like this, going from zooming from... Sorry, zooming takes a different form of meaning now, but going from one side of a backyard to the other. And they see something they want, and then they put it in. 
and then they see something else they want. They zip over to the other side of the yard and they put it in. They see something else and they, they keep on putting more and more and more in. And you see what happens next. They see something else and they put it in, but now they try to sit on it and it doesn't quite go in. And at first they squash it in, but then they see something else. And the point in time comes when they learn the lesson that they must choose priorities. They have to work out what is the most important thing that I want in because the other things, they're just not going to fit. I'm just going to have to leave those and move on for the sake of those higher priorities. And friends, now some of you will remember from time to time I go and find such a truck. Others of you feel thinking, I haven't heard that in a long time. What are you talking about? Others are thinking, I must go and get a truck so my kids can learn that lesson. Friends, I totally get the temptations. One of my kids, as some of you are aware, plays cricket at quite advanced levels for his age. I get the temptation. I get the seduction. But putting other things into the track first, more often than not, it gets in the way of your ability to worship the Lord in sincerity and truth. A point in time comes when that happens. That's what Joshua's saying. In the year 2021, some of the ways that manifests itself is you, you, you don't commit to growth group because there's something else bigger and more important that you're waiting for or that you've already committed to. You don't commit to serving. And a point in time comes when you become less regular at church. You know, all of these activities that God has enabled us to have the privilege of so that we can help one another and keep one another powering on in the Lord Jesus. And one of my greatest pains over the last 14 years is seeing people sitting in these chairs who once at a point in time were serving the Lord with such zeal. And over the years you see how that drifts. Often it's the case other things come in. At first they try to sit on the truck and squash it all in, but Joshua 24 helps us understand that so much is at stake. And there's a bit of a twist as well. Verse 20 shows us what's at stake. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you after he has been so good to you. Folks, we don't think of allowing ourselves to stray and worshipping foreign gods. But this is the way the Bible puts it. 
someone during the week shared with me a story of um, uh, in a different culture, someone or a different church, someone walked in carrying an idol and they sat down and people around them all thought, oh, you're worshipping idols, you haven't brought it into church. And then this person, um, in a conversation with someone else later on, talking about, talking with this person about it, and they said, well, look, you might be right. My idol's a physical one, but the idols of the 21st century Western church are other things, aren't they? The latest gadgets. Pleasure experiences. These are the things that people tend to pursue that gets in the way and it crowds out worshipping God in sincerity and truth. Friends, the consequences are so severe. And where Joshua is coming from in saying these last words, it's the last chapter of Joshua, of the book of Joshua. I'm coming from exactly the same place. Because the Lord has provided us with the most incredible salvation. Jesus came into this world. He gave his life. We can be forgiven. We can look forward to the hope of eternal life. And so often it's these issues of other things taking over from God that undermine that salvation. Friends, that's where I'm coming from. And in our hearts, I want to encourage us not to think of this kind of having idols as a legalistic kind of thing, but think about the enormous salvation. Think about the magnificent salvation that the Lord provides us. I gave you a land you did not labour for, and cities you did not build, though you live in them. And you were eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And I know life can be challenging. Over the years, many have shared that with me, and even now, many, I know lives can be really challenging. Life is challenging. But Jesus brings salvation. He brings forgiveness. He brings eternal life. He has come into this world not to serve himself, not to seek his own glory, but to serve us. And Joshua... He puts this in terms that I find as breathtaking and challenging and confronting all at the same time, where he says in verse 15, If it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? There's a choice because we can't have it all. Because God has saved us, the imperative here is to fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. And that means 
not having other idols. Another idol is anything that is more important than God. Now, some of you might be sitting there thinking, Raj, I get your point. Can you move on? Not quite. Um, I feel emotional about this because this impacts people in this room. Let me put it to you like this. This is our church. Three years ago, maybe four years ago now, a survey was done. And the survey asked the question, what is the most important reality of your life? Over 200 people across our church completed this survey. And I've just got a few screenshots to show you what you said. Can you read that? I'll read it for you. God, the options were God is the most important reality in my life. 64% of people said that. Option two was God is more important to me than almost anything else. 30% of people said that. The third option was fairly important, but many other things are more important. My friends, the category of concern when we think about Joshua 24, it is not the third one, I mean, it is the third one, it's the second one. It's an indication that in our midst, around about a third of people, at the very least, are in danger of trying to have it all. This is an ongoing struggle that I share with you. This is a struggle that I too and Nicole too, we have the struggle of working out the different things in our hearts. Sometimes the temptation is to live those things through our children and other ways. Joshua 24, we can't have it all. Choose for yourselves. Who will you worship? One of the reasons I've loved being at uh, TAC and our family, not everyone does, but our family is just love living on the church site is because so many of you guys have really formed a Christian community that has helped nurtured our children in the Lord. Thank you. It's taken all kinds of different kinds of things and with each of them now and I can't say this for all children and can't say certainly this for children of, of, of um, everyone uh, who serves in the sort of way I do but I am thankful to God and I am thankful to you because growing um, in the Lord, it, it is not just something that is taught, it's something that's caught through the modelling of behaviour through relationship with people they have grabbed onto this and we have loved it it's interesting, the place Christian leadership starts, it's with the leader being clear for themselves. If it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, verse 15, choose for yourselves today, which will you worship? And he goes on and then he says, as for me and my family, we will worship 
the Lord. Friends, this is what we've tried to teach. This is what we've tried to model. And I want to say we haven't always got it right. I haven't always got it right. Some of you now, I can see you're thinking oh, lots of different things. Because at my core, despite the role that I have, I am a deeply sinful person, just like you, who is loved by Jesus and forgiven by Jesus. I have done things that I both regret, I've done things I've asked for forgiveness for, I've said things that are in the same categories. And if you've been impacted by that, I want to apologise. But in this text, this is where the twist is, verse 19. Because every one of us will fail. And yet verse 19 says, Joshua told the people, you will not be able to worship the Lord because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your, your transgressions and sins. And it highlights this reality that no matter how hard I try or no matter how hard you try, we will fail. And yet the brilliant thing is this. Even though we fail, we can keep coming back to the cross. Where Jesus even, he's asked the question, how many times can I be forgiven? How many times will you forgive? And Jesus' answer to that question is 70 times 7. We can keep coming back to the cross. Because here is the salvation that our gracious God offers. And in the terms of Joshua 24 in the Old Testament, the people when this is outlined for them, when they conceive a challenge before them, they say, we will worship the Lord. And Joshua's response is to highlight the other side of that coin. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And so the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord our God and obey him. I started this talk today by, you remember, Amy Grant? Let's go for the more generic category. That is, my own personal preferences. And the temptation to elevate those to a position above that of serving the Lord or what is helpful for the overall body of Christ. Because that's the temptation for all of us, isn't it? We live in a consumeristic world and we have so many different options. I like this, I like that, I like this person's preaching, I like this children's ministry, the youth group, it's better over here, so I'm going to go... I like this growth group. I like these leaders. Raj is tall, dark and handsome. Nominators, go and find someone else who's tall, dark and handsome. Friends, it's all around us, this way of thinking. It has infected us very deeply. 
It is so easy for us to be what I call a consumeristic Christian. And yet when you think about it, I'm not even sure, like I wonder if that's a contradiction. Let me put it another way as I finish up. Do you have an ambition for the things of God? Do you mourn the lack of ambition for the Lord in your life? As the year begins, let me play with you. Look at the cross. Look at the inspirational example of Jesus who put aside his own preferences and his own desires to allow us the wonderful privilege of serving and worshipping the Lord in sincerity and truth. My friends, choose today which God you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It's been a challenging word. I wonder how the word of God has been speaking to you today.